Guess who's back? Back again. I don't know. I, I, I wanted to start it off really stupidly today. I decided that was the idea to do. Um, welcome back, or I guess welcome now, to the Unfiltered Podcast. Uh, I'm Kevin Fielder, and you know, I'm, I'm just going to let my uh, more better... Uh, I can't talk today. My better friends introduce themselves. Cal, we'll start with you. So everyone? I'm happy to be here. My name is Cal Friedman. I'm at University of Miami, a rising sophomore. And yeah, I'm ready to just talk sports on this. Damn, he said rising as if he's like some like rising. Well, that's not what it is. <laughs> uh, Jake, start with you or continue with you. I can't, I can't talk today. What's up, guys? I'm Jake, uh, big sports fan. Uh, well, gee, New York I hope sports so. fan, so it sucks, but uh, happy to talk sports with you guys. Uh, Tommy? What's up, guys? Um, I'm Tommy. You know, basically the same thing. Fan of all New York sports teams besides the Clippers, but I'm not a fan of any G- of Jake's New York sports teams. So it still sucks, but I'm happy to be here. And finally, the one I don't want to introduce, Jackson. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm Jackson. I'm also a rising sophomore, actually. Uh, I'm a fan of New York sports teams in Arizona, sports teams, family in New York, live in Arizona, complicated, but yeah. Happy to be here. You know, I'm, I'm just going to name this episode Rising Sophomore at this point. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, my name's Kevin. Uh, I am the uh, the Miami sports fan, the depressed one half the time because the Florida Panthers don't win anything. The Miami Dolphins sucked last year. And more importantly, the Florida or the Miami Hurricanes will never win a national championship as long as I'm alive. Anyways, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a rising sophomore uh, at Florida Atlantic, uh, go Owls, uh, winning in paradise, all the stupid things that we say, I don't know. Um, so yeah, today we're going to talk, uh, what is it? NHL, NBA, both those, uh, those, those bubbles going on. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Anything else you guys want to say? Except for you, Jake, I don't want to hear you say hot take yet. That'll come. But, I mean, I think just to start with, it's just happy to have sports back. You know, these last couple of nights I've been able to flip through on my TV. I've been able to go between NBCSN and watch soccer, um, not soccer, hockey, and then I flipped to ESPN and turned on the NBA. It's just so nice to have both these sports back. And as you said, happy to have sports back. We all found out that the Big Ten has canceled football. So, some sports back. Anyways, let's get on to the actual topics. I think we've wasted far too much time rambling on. So, yeah, the NHL is back, and Florida Panthers were already eliminated, so I don't really want to talk about the uh, the depression that ensued afterwards. I, I, Jake, were you present for that depression? Which one? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, it may or may not have been a few tough days for me uh, upon finding out that uh, the Florida Panthers cannot play uh, hockey. Uh, Michael Matheson is still a defenseman on the Florida Panthers. And more importantly, I don't know who half the guys in the bottom six are half the time. Anyways, um, I think the biggest story is the Toronto Maple Leafs are not good at hockey. Uh, talk about hometown advantage. I mean, both hometown teams lost, actually, because Edmonton lost as well. Oh, but yeah, right. I think the more embarrassing one. I mean, they're both pretty embarrassing, honestly. I don't I. I don't know if I really – I kind of thought Chicago had a chance because when you have top-level forwards 
all it really takes at that point is having a goalie who's hot. And they got the goalie who was hot. They got the consistency out of their forwards. And I, I mean, at that point, it was over. Also, can we please get Connor McDavid some actual help? Yeah, no, that is ridiculous how much talent. I mean, McDavid had, what, nine points in four games? And they still lost. Or, yeah, four games they still lost. I, I, I do want to pose this question for anyone who wants to answer it. When Connor McDavid's career is over, however long it lasts, however far it goes in deep and everything, how close will he be to Wayne Gretzky? In just terms of talent on the hockey ice, obviously Wayne Gretzky's impact goes further beyond the actual ice. And, I mean, there's a reason his number 99 is retired across the league. So I, I just overall hockey talent-wise, how close will Connor McDavid be to Wayne Gretzky? I mean, it's a, it's a debate that I really thought about. Um, I was out with my dad during game four. We were both watching it. And he said, like, do you think he'll ever come close to Gretzky? And while I think everyone can agree that this modern-day NHL is a bit more competitive, um, there's, there's a bit less goons on rosters. It's, um, each line is filled with players that can all play. So certainly you look at McDavid's numbers, and it's incredible compared to to, it's, it obviously pales in comparison to what Gretzky did, but it isn't how good McDavid's been in his first couple of seasons in the league. He's absolutely done all and above what he's been expected to do. You know, he had 97 points in 64 games this season. But on this current Edmonton team, like Gretzky won in almost every place that he went. McDavid's not been able to really come close. He hasn't made the conference finals once yet in five seasons, and albeit some of them have. He's been injured. They were barely knocked off by the Ducks in the conference semis that one year. But until he can start getting to the Stanley Cup consistently, we can't start comparing him to Gretzky at all. Oh, boy. I think he is the most talented player to ever put on skates. And Jesus. Yeah, no, I think he's insane. You just watch him every day. I agree. It's a walking highlight reel. And you really, like... I know he hasn't made the conference final, but you can't really place it on him. Like, this year he put up nine points in four games. Some years, they were just, they had Peter Shirelli. He cannot, somebody just, somebody just can't build a team. Sends Taylor Hall for Adam Morrison, the Barzell trade. Nonetheless, nonetheless, um, they just don't have talent. He has Dreisaitl on his line, but on his right wing, he has that Cassian. He has, um... But they put Anthony C there. They put just, just guys that don't belong on the first line. And I just think they need to build around him. And I think if they get that first line winger, I think he can win several cups. Do you think Yamamoto could become that first line winger, honestly? Who? Uh, Yamamoto. Um, he, he doesn't. Um, I, I think he can be a high end second line winger. I think they should put him there. Absolutely. But. I, I, I just think the question is, like, obviously, if you had gotten Lafreniere and you had won that lottery for Lafreniere, uh, obviously, I assume that would have been the the second or the third piece to put on that Connor McDavid first line. But you didn't win that lottery. How do you find that? I mean, because you need someone there. And, I mean, you, you have most of your cap tied up to two guys already. Yeah. I mean, Connor McDavid deserves his contract, as does Leon Dreisaitl. But... How can you find a good left winger or a, a winger that can fit on that line? Because it's going to be hard. I mean, it's not easy to find a winger yeah, yeah, that's course. that no, cheap, um, that fits on a line with, I mean, w- one of the greatest hockey players we've seen and 
a very good, talented hockey player. I'm not going to call Leon Draisaitl generational or anything like that, but he's a very talented hockey player. I don't know if you could find that winger. I, I just don't think that's possible. Yeah, they tried. They tried uh, PRV, who they drafted a few years ago. They tried him there. It wasn't working. Um, I do know that Nuge's contract is up. That should free up some money. Maybe they can sign a free agent, just put someone there. Um, but right now, they just need depth. They need a goaltender. I don't think Mike Smith and what's his name Koskinen are that good. They need a lot of help. But they have some good prospects. And as long as you have McDavid and Drysider, you're going to make the playoffs. But it's just getting over that next step. I, I, I think the the question is what is their like what is their period. I mean, because I think every hockey team has a period as to when you have to win a Stanley Cup because you're not going to sustain long-term success, I think, in the NHL with how many top-level players are coming in, how much cap is going to be tied up to some of these guys. I mean, what is the ceiling for – or what is the winning time frame for a team like Edmonton? Is it four years? Is it the length of McDavid and Dreisaitl's contract? I mean, what is that logical cap? I think if you have, I think when you have Connor McDavid, you can have as long of a window as you want. It's just a matter of how you manage the other contracts around him. I mean, if you look at the bottom part of that team, a lot of those guys are making under um, 1.5 million, especially amongst the forwards. Uh, most of the defensemen are tied up for the next two seasons, or to be um, next season, the season after. But um, I think it really depends on what they do in 2021, because at that point. Um, Nuge is up, Chase On's up, uh, two of the better defensemen, um, Larson and Chris Russell. Not exactly Chris Russell, but they're up. And that's a lot of money that comes off the books, and depending on what you do there, that could be the quote-unquote start, up, major start of the window. But, I mean, I think they just have to keep pushing on. they got to just find a way to work out the kinks with this team. So, Jackson and Tommy, I'll ask you guys the same question. Where, when it's, when it's said and done... Where does Connor McDavid rank? How close is he to Wayne Gretzky? Um, I'll start. Um, yeah. So, as a skill, like as the most skilled player ever, I think he'll be number one. I think he already is the most skilled hockey player of all time. But like statistically based, at the end of his career, probably gonna be like number two player of all time. Probably right in front of Lemieux. But excuse me. <laughs> Uh, uh, Claudia. Wait, excuse me. Hold on one second. Oh, can we get a restart on that? <laughs> what, the, what did I try to say? Lemieux. I did say Lemieux. You said Lemieux, I'm pretty sure. I thought you had it right. That's close. <laughs> close enough. Whatever. Uh, Jackson, same question. Uh, yeah, I agree with Jake and Tom. I think he's the most skilled hockey player ever. But if we're one of my all-time greats, and like if he can be the all-time greatest player ever, he needs to win cups. And I think he will eventually win one, but I don't know if it'd be enough. One, I don't think would be enough, in my opinion. But I think he finished top five all time. Oh God, that is actually. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um. Wow, that's happening. Anyways, uh, let's go on to that Toronto series and. I, I, just, I just can't get over I'm, – I'm sorry. I have to go on the sidetrack right now. Why are the Panthers speaking to Scott Mellonby? <laughs> oh, are they actually? Why? Yes. <laughs> this is dreadful. That is, a boy, that is a boys club mentality, and for the most part, it does not work. 
I'm, I'm, I'm not as a giant fan it does not work I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into this whole conversation about why the Panthers need to be going for a an analytical guy who knows how to manipulate cap space and all that because it's proven why. But anyways, let's talk about Toronto. Uh, Toronto, out of the, I guess, what was it really? The play-in series? The qualifiers. If you qualifiers, say whatever stupid name. Uh, out 3-2 to a Columbus team that I don't think anyone really expected to make the playoffs before the season even started. I mean, no. or realistically, I didn't think anyone really thought that team was going to be that good. You lose Panarin, you lose Bobrovsky. Those were ar- ar- arguably your two best players last season. And now mm-hmm. you're back in the playoffs, you're playing Toronto or Tampa Bay again. But where did it go wrong for Toronto where you have that much talent offensively that none of it works? I mean, I think the problem is if you look at the – way that roster is set up, I just don't think you can win with it. I really don't think the Maple Leafs can win anything with their current core. And call that a hot take, but if you look at so look at the Leafs and the Jackets side by side. Maple Leafs big four forwards, um Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, John Tavares make a combined forty point five million. That's a lot of cap space in the NHL. All all seventeen of Columbus's forwards that series made $500,000 more. That's 17 players compared to four. And the problem is, if you look at the Leafs roster, they're relying on so many like depth pieces to make an impact. And you can't do that in the NHL right now. In the playoffs, I think we can all agree. Stanley Cup playoffs, every minute matters. And I think the Maple Leafs showed it when they were down 3 nothing in game four with three, point, um, three minutes 57 seconds left and were able to force overtime and win. But you look at this Leafs team, and they just have no depth throughout it. You're relying on, you know, this Nick Robertson guy who came up, and he was pretty solid, but you're relying on him to make an impact. Jason Spezza had to make a huge impact as a 37-year-old on this roster. And that's not even getting into the defense. Um, Obviously, Tyson Berry went down injured. He wasn't having that great of a season, but he went down injured. Um, Cody Ceci remains Cody Ceci. And... The final problem, really, with the Leafs is when you keep playing into how Columbus play. Columbus burns the lightning last year doing the same thing. They play in a negative style of hockey where they're able to sit back, absorb pressure, and get up the ice and score. That's what happened in game one. That's what happened in game five. And the Leafs just played right into it. I feel like it would be a great time to mention that the Toronto Maple Leafs top four forwards, you can argue, I think it's pretty clear that it's Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner and William Nylander have cap hits going into next season of 11.6 million, 10 million, 10.8 million, and 6.9 million. Nice. Uh, that just doesn't seem like a winning formula. You have, I'm not sure how much the actual percentage of the cap those four contracts take up, but you're not going to win with four guys taking up however much that is. That's what, 30 million between three players? It's 30. Six million to four players. That's I think that's like thirty percent of the cap space. I think I think I did the math after they lost. I think it's about forty two percent of the entire team's cap space. So you have forty two percent of your cap space being taken up by four forwards. Then you have then you're paying five million for Morgan Riley, who's yes, he, he's a talented defenseman. I think we had this conversation earlier. We determined what he's top ten, or did we determine he's yeah, top fifteen? Yeah, he's definitely around that. So, and then you have another. What three years locked up? Four years locked up for Jake Muzzin at five point six. You're going to have to rely on prospects 
and they don't draft well enough. They just don't get enough star power to build a roster around 42% of your cap locked up to forwards or whatever you said it was, and then another $10 million locked up to two defensemen. That's a recipe for disaster. I mean, that's that that's the same issue the Florida Panthers face, where you have so much money tied up to contracts that you can't build up the rest of the team. And I just don't get why I, – I get why they did it. They kind of got to this point where – you know, you want to do right by your players, but I don't think they should have ever give Nylander that contract. I don't think yeah, Mitch Marner's worth $10 million. I, I, you, you can argue he probably is, but why do you give him that money? I mean, find, you, you have to find ways to get creative, and especially in a sport that's restrained to a cap, like an overall cap structure, because in baseball you can just throw away the money, and you know, if you're the Yankees, the Dodgers, a big market team, you can throw away the money at guys, but you can't do that in hockey. You have to stay within certain cap space requirements. So I don't get why they throw away this money. And it's, it's throwing away money. I mean, it, yes, they're all talented players, but you can't have four forwards taking up over 50% or near 50% of your cap space. The other problem with Toronto is I give them all the success in the world to Sheldon Keefe before he came in with the Leafs. Um, how much success he was having in the AHL with the Toronto Marlies. Um, consistently one of the best AHL teams in the league, um, obviously, I don't know how much that shows, but the problem is, is that they believe that they can replicate what they're doing in the AHL and the NHL, and it does not work. You cannot compa- you not you cannot put Martin Marinson, Justin Hall, Rasmus Sandin together. They're all prospects. Two of them are twenty eight, so I can't even call them prospects. But they put them together on the same pairings instead of mixing up the. Um, the NHL talent and the NHL experience, you try to put them together, you play them over 15 minutes a night, and they get burned at times. And it's just like you can't keep going with that. It doesn't. It, you can't repeat what you do in the AHL and the NHL, especially at the playoff level. I think, there are, I'm sorry, Jake, go ahead. Well, no, you can go, because I'm, I'm going like, to go off on the Maple Leafs right now. I, just, I, I think the, the biggest issue is all, all the respect in the world to what Sheldon Keith did after he took in, and at that point, it looked like a disaster when he took over. But as you said, you can't have non-NHL quality players playing meaningful NHL minutes in a playoff series against a team that is well-coached, like Columbus is, and was obviously hitting fire. I mean, it was clear they were hitting fire up until probably the restart, and then once you get into that bubble— you have, I mean, your two goalies are insane. You have what's his name, Pierre Luc Dubois or whatever, going out of his, playing out of his mind. I mean, that team isn't as talented as Toronto is, but they play better than Toronto, and that's all that matters when you get in the playoffs. It doesn't matter how good you are; it matters how well you play. And so, I, I, I think that their biggest issue is they have to find a way to dump half these contracts. And they can't dump them because no one's going to take the contracts. No one's going to give them the money. And I, I looked at it. They don't have a first-round pick this year. They don't have a third-round pick this year. They don't have a third-round pick next year. How do you how do you build anything? I I, I was going to get into it into that. There's so many problems with the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. You hire this new guy, get rid of Lou. You hire Kyle Dubas, young analytical guy. Signs John Tavares from the New York Islanders. He has to resign his little core. Signs Marner, sign Matthews. Everyone said, oh, they're not going to get this done. But then there's three other lines you have to build upon. Zach Hyman, 
is not a second liner. I say he's a, he scored a very clutch goal. He's not a second liner. Andres Janssen was scratched until the last game. He's on the third line. Kerfoot's decent. The fourth line, Pierre Engvall, never heard of him. Kyle Clifford. And then that's not even the bad part of the roster. You get into the defense. Cody Cece is a traffic cone. Mark Marinson. Tyson Barry had a disaster of a year. And then you get into the goaltending. Freddie Anderson's turning 31 next season. He's getting up there. You have no backup. Campbell's not going to be there forever. And what they're trying to do with fixing this defense is just getting rid of their forwards to replace them with expensive defensemen. They did it with Muzzin. Muzzin is not worth what he's getting right now. They tried doing it by trading Kadri for Barry, and Kadri is having a hell of a season with the Columbus, uh, uh, Colorado Avalanche. And Barry had a terrible year. They're just, it's not working. Tavares is not living up to his contract. Marner is not living up to his contract. Matthews is absolutely living up to his contract. But what about the, the rest of the team? There's just They have a few defensive prospects, and they just need to draft for it, but they're trading these draft picks to replace bad defensemen and taking more cap. And the salary cap isn't going up. It is staying at 81.5. It's just screwing the Leafs. And I just think it's going to get worse before it gets better. So I'll, I'll ask the same question I asked about the, uh, the Edmonton Oilers. What is their Stanley Cup window? I mean, how long can they feasibly keep this going and win a Stanley Cup? I don't, I don't think it's as long as you always think they have about three years. I don't even think they have three years. I think they have probably up until Tavares hits like 34. Yeah. I mean, and then because Matthew signed a little – Matthew signed for like – what, he signed for like five years last year. So he's got like three years left, four, mm-hmm. four years left. Yeah. So I like – what happens once one of these contracts expire and you can't afford to bring them back? Well, the biggest one is next. I mean, it might not be the biggest one, but based on how that jacket series went, you were talking about Freddie Anderson. Um, he's going to be 31 next year. He's a fine goalie in this league. But maybe not, I wouldn't say top 10, but he's definitely in the better half of goalies. His contract is his contract's up after next year. He's only going to get worse from 31 on. He's not one of those goalies that's going to be able to stay in the NHL at 38, 39, guys like Luongo and Brodeur, obviously. But once that contract's up, I mean, you got to find someone to pay in goal because if you don't have a good goalie and you're mixing it on top of a poor defense, I mean, you have no window in my opinion. And I, I just think the biggest thing is if they had a prospect goalie who you could go in and go, this guy's the future. This guy is the guy they are going to put all their trust into. A lot like the New York Islanders did. Uh, a lot like even the, the New York Rangers did. They have prospect goalies who, you know, when, when you look down the roster, you go, okay, this guy's going to be on an entry-level contract for the next, whatever, three years, four years, and we're going to have a goalie who we can trust. The Toronto Maple Leafs don't have that goalie they can trust. And I, I think it's a lot like, and this is probably not the best analogy, but it would be like having an, an old quarterback. So let's just, so you have like an Aaron Rodgers, who's clearly getting up there in age, clearly isn't as good as he used to be. And let's say the Green Bay Packers didn't draft Jordan Love. They didn't have a backup quarterback. They didn't have a quarterback they could develop. And so if no, you I, wait for him to retire or you wait for him to fall off, you're screwed because then you're wasting more assets on a quarterback who you don't truly trust and you didn't get to breed and you're throwing him into the fire. You're baptizing him by fire and it doesn't work in the NHL. That might with you. That might work in the AHL. That might work in you know international leagues. That's not working in the NHL. 
Because every single play, most players on rosters deserve to be there. And they're ta- more talented than everyone else. So I, I, I think that their window is shorter than everyone thinks. I, I, think you, I think you have two years. You have two years to figure this out. And if you, don't, and if you haven't figured it out, you're screwed. There's no other way yeah. about that. I'm with you on that. Uh, does anyone else want to talk about any of these other series? I, I, I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't watch many of the games. I watched, I think, a few of the Islanders. I watched every Islanders game. I don't want to talk about that series. Uh, <laughs> Florida Panthers suck. Um, I will just say this quickly. I think the Penguins are done. Yeah, no, that, that was probably the one other series I might want to talk about. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree there. I think, you know, we, we talked about the Stanley Cup window. I think they passed their window. No, absolutely. I think it ended uh, yeah. last season. When the honors swept them, I think they were done. I think. I mean, yeah. I, I think they could feasibly maybe make a Stanley Cup final and win it, but it wouldn't be a consistent thing. It, it would require Sidney Crosby to play out of his damn mind, and whoever your goalie is, Matt Martin is a good goalie. He was terrible. Yeah. Matt Murray was Matt Murray. awful. Yeah, Matt Matt Martin. I'm sorry. Uh, Matt Matt Murray was terrible. Yeah, no. Look, th- this is going to become a daily occurrence. I'm going to say someone's name wrong. Um, <laughs> No, he was terrible. I mean, he did not look like an NHL goalie out there. No. And I it's mean, not a regular season game where if you lose and you can go, okay, whatever. You know, it's one game out of 82. This is a playing series game. This is a qualifier game. You don't win. You're screwed. I mean, that Penguins team was so bad in those four games. They had one good game. That was it. Otherwise, I thought they were arguably the worst team in the qualifiers. Um, Evgeny Malkin, awful. Probably the worst hockey I've seen of Genny Malkin play for a stretch of four games in my whole life. And I've been watching hockey for a while. He's always been one of the class players in the NHL. Awful for four games. Um, Jack Johnson, I mean, that contract just looks awful. The contract's not as bad, but he's been terrible. Justin Schultz coming back from injury has been terrible. They paired them together, and that's ultimately what happened when they lost in game four because the pass came out in front and none of them dealt with it. Chris Tang didn't deal with it. He also didn't have the greatest series, but it's just like, you look at the Penguins, like how many of them in those four games against a Montreal team that we can all agree had no business even being in the qualifiers. I mean, that's undoubtedly the worst team to ever make the playoffs ever. Um, obviously it's different this year because they got 12 seeds instead of the usual eight. That's the worst team on paper to make the playoffs. And they absolutely dominated the Penguins for three games. So I'll extend this question out, and after this, we'll go talk about the lottery. And few people in here have some kind of rooting interest in who won the lottery, and I think someone's a little more mad than the other. Um, <laughs> Jake. Uh, so I'll, I'll extend this to anyone who wants to answer it. Uh, actually, you know what? No, you. We'll, we'll go around the horn here. Uh, just yes or no. Should the pa- Pittsburgh Penguins explore a trade for Evgeny Malkin? Cal. I mean, yeah, I'd like to see what team wants to take him on for two more seasons at nine and a half at 35 years old. But absolutely. Um, you got to change something up. This team isn't winning. This team has lost nine of the last 10 games and they are not winning a couple unless something changes. Jake. Um, I do think they should trade Malkin. I also think they should explore trading Crystal Tang. Um, the GM said this morning. That there's going to be some change around here, and I don't think he's talking about coaches. I think he has to get some players out. Um, you could try and trade Jack Johnson. Don't think it's happening. I don't. Could get, I, I don't think the Florida Panthers would take Jack Johnson, and their defense is terrible. I just. I think you can. You can get a team to bite on the Tang's contract. You can get 
someone who needs a center to bite on Malkin's contract. So I think you should explore trading. You're not going to trade Crosby, obviously, but you got to explore trading those two vets. Um, but I think they should just read a little bit. They have some. They have a small little core. They have John Marino, who had an awesome season. Jake Gensel. Brian Russ is a very underrated second liner. And then Jari is good as well. I think Murray's probably going to be gone after the uh, expansion draft. So, But they just need to explore. And they have a good GM, so I think they can turn around quicker than you'd expect. But that's who I would trade. Uh, Jackson, same question to you. Trade Malkin, yes or no? Yes. I mean, that's just easy, easy yes. I don't think a team will take on the contract, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, think it's, yeah, I think it's fair to say that at $9.5 million for two years, you're going to have to retain some of that contract. And however much you have to retain is depending on who, who you can find to take that – take whatever you have to take. I mean, I think you trade them. Uh, Tommy? Um. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, you, Kevin. I don't see how the Penguins get a Malkin trade without retaining probably half of Malkin's contract. Um, yeah. So if they do get a good trade from Malkin, you got to take it, obviously. What you have right now isn't working. So, um, yeah, that's all. Yeah, no, I, I think they're in one of these situations where they have a lot of talent, but the talent obviously isn't meshing together. So you have to change something. And so, did they, they get Brandon Tanev like a five-year deal last offseason for like two million a year? Six, it was six, it was six it was years. Six, it was six. Yeah, it was so weird. They, they got some really iffy depth contracts right now. Um, the Horvath contract also looks terrible. He was awful. Um, they don't depth. They really don't have depth. Dublin's tied up for a long time, and he hasn't looked that great since they came back. Um, obviously he's on IR right now, but Nick Bukestad still got. Four million for that next year, and he has not done anything near what the Penguins were hoping for. I think their best contract is probably Aston Reese at a million for the next season. Yeah, no, that's not that's not a bad one. Uh, I, there's just aren't many contracts on the team. I go and go. Yeah, no, this makes sense. This is a good contract. They can work with this contract. There aren't many. No, 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 no. It's, and it's what happens when you have this kind of core. That's been good for so long. You kind of have to just. It's like one of the problems that the Sharks fell, or not the Sharks, the Kings fell into, where you just got to start paying your old guys. And right now, I mean, they're not going to get better with age. No, they guys don't. like Malkin, Crosby, Latang, all of them are going to start to get worse, and they're in that problem right now, and they got to figure out a way out of it soon. Yeah, I I just don't know what they're going to do. I really don't. Um, let's let's talk lottery. Uh, we assume. Alexi Lafreniere has a home. We assume it'll be in the Big Apple. It's not for the Islanders. It's for uh, Jackson. You want to uh, you want to share your excitement here? I, I know you are a Rangers fan. Uh, the excitement's still here from like still here from yesterday, but not as much. I guess like playing like absolute dog shit in a hockey series <laughs> gets you number one overall pick, but. <laughs> I mean, this is just—it's just fucking great. I mean, he he drops the ball, picks it back up, and then the Rangers fucking win it. And then the Leafs could have got it, and they didn't get it. Yeah, they take him out too. That, that, the I, I, and Jake just is mad, and everyone's mad, and it's hilarious. But it's, it's, I mean, it's just obviously rigged. I think I I I think that was probably my favorite video ever. Was the ball of the uh, the Leafs going in and staying there for like a second? You're like, oh, it's gonna happen, and then it falls out. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say um, shout out uh, Barstool Corwin, but or not Barstool, sorry, um, Bar Down. Excuse me, Corwin. 
with the um, tweet with that and comparing it to the John Tavares empty net miss. <laughs> I mean, that in two days is brutal. Uh, Jake, I know you're happy about this too. I feel like you're happier than uh, Jackson is. Jake, I just I don't I don't get it. Really, really, just don't understand why New York Rangers just get kept handed everything to them. It was obviously rigged. The guy, the guy, the guy with the mask. This guy, he looked like a cool meme that everyone would make fun of. Holds up the Rangers ball. He obviously looks bigger than all the other ones. He drops it. He's like, oh, oops, that wasn't supposed to happen. He picks it up, puts all of them in, and the Rangers win. So a team who has their franchise goaltender, a very elite defenseman, Adam Fox, a top five center in Mika Zibanejad, a top three winger in Artemi Panarin, a rising prospect in Capo Caco, a pretty decent, I wouldn't say decent decor, but they have some guys, very solid, very good prospects, are now going to get the first overall pick. Because this guy, I'm just, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I get it. Shake your team's in the playoffs. Shut up, man. I get it. Trust me, I do. But. No, I mean, it not, makes sense. I mean, it's not, it's not fair. So. I mean, the Islanders have been, up until, you know, with Barry Trotz and um, when they had Tavares in the last couple seasons under, um, Capuano, y'all were not good growing up. Like, Absolutely not. No. <laughs> and you've and it, it's it's a problem with you know the draft with any kind of draft lottery. Um, you can just get screwed year by year with just when you pick. And this is a, this is an Oilers team that you know they spent a long time rebuilding, and then they had to, and then they fortunately when they lost to Varys, people thought they were going to rebuild again, and due to good coaching and prospect development, they were able to. And then you have your crosstown rivals. Be able to sign um, a top three winger. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about Shesterkin because you guys have Sorokin. It's ba- it's near the same yeah, thing. Yeah, it's pretty equal. I'd say, yeah. But you got they had a great trade for Mika Zibanejad, who has grown into, I mean, well beyond what we thought he'd be. And then you pick second last year and first this year. I I want to throw this over to Tommy because there is one other team that has at least some interest in it. It isn't as much as the whole Rangers and Islanders rivalry that is funny on Twitter. I mean, it's just funny on Twitter at this point. Uh, Tommy, obviously you're a Devils fan. You've had your own fair share of luck with uh, number one overall picks and getting and winning lotteries. Uh, what was your reaction when the Rangers, uh, I guess, lucked into it? I, I think, I think uh, that's, at this point, that's what it is. It's lucking into it. Um, I think I was in a uh, FaceTime call with Jake and... <laughs> Jackson, uh, when I saw the ball pop up, I screamed, it's the Rangers, like, four times. Um, it sucks, but, you know, we, we have got lucky with the lottery in the past. Um, I really do think it's rigged. Um, yeah, the, the chance that they would um, drop the ball that wins is probably below 1% if it wasn't rigged. I really don't see a possibility that that was real, but, you know, nothing we could do about it. They'll still have a decent future. I just wish our picks would perform better, but, yeah, um, hopefully we can figure it out. And they were trying to prove it was great. Like, okay, we're putting the ball in here, we're putting them all in there, and then the guy freaking dropped it, and then, I'm like, yeah. I, I, think, I, know, I know they were preparing a backstage. All right, the Rangers one is going to be a lot heavier. you got to make sure not to mess it up. And then he, he drops it right down right away. I think, I, I, I think it was a lot like the uh, – 
which one was it? The uh, the Patrick Ewing draft lottery with the whole frozen envelope and the the bent corner or whatever the whole conspiracy theory was. I, I look, I I am a outside looking in on this whole Rangers thing, and obviously the Florida Panthers should have won it, and they never will win it because they're not a good hockey. Whatever. Uh, I, I went on like a ten minute rant yesterday. It was pretty funny. Um, I think we do have. To, I, I look. I just want to give credit to this New York Rangers rebuild because. They are kind of how you rebuild in sports, and it is, it is trusting your prospects, is developing properly, and it is, you know, drafting well. Kako, I don't think it was great last season, but he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of potential. You can throw him in there and at least trust him. And you've got a core coming up, man. That core is going to be great to watch grow together. Panarin, Lafreniere, Kako, Zabinajad. Um, Adam Fox, that's a good core. That's a really solid core. I guess you also have Jacob Truba because Truba, you paid him $8 million a year and ain't no one kicking that contract. Anyways, um, I, I, I think that like generally you have a decent core there that you can at least trust. And I'm going to be excited to see this whole Islanders-Rangers like rivalry grow because the, the Islanders are a good team. They made the playoffs again. I think they have a really good chance of beating Washington in round one. Uh, and you know, you have one of the best coaches in hockey, one of the best coaches of all time in Barry Trotz. That's a good enough core there that you can trust. And I guess I'll, I'll fin- we'll finish it off with this. Then we'll go to the NBA. Uh, should the, and this is completely hypothetical. I don't think they will. Should the Rangers explore trading down? And, you know, you, you say that you already have, you already have a decent core. Do you trade down and do you try to get maybe two more firsts and a top-level prospect and see if you can build depth instead of just top-end talent? No. Yeah, you got to put Lafreniere. in there. I don't think they will because they want to compete while rebuilding. It had to be like a ridiculous offer. But still, I don't even know if you accept it. So They're not at a point where – they're going to see these prospects pan out with these first-round picks. If Laugh is more than NHL ready, if they're going to compete now, they just have to pick Laugh. But if a team is offering NHL ready players and maybe picks, I guess, but I don't think Jeff Gordon would explore that. Oh, I don't think he will either. But I mean, let's let's yeah, just no, say let's just say hypothetically, you know, you have a team like the Ottawa Senators. They have three first-round picks. They have four second-round picks. They have two third-round picks. If they offer you, let's say, two of those first-round picks, they give you their own first-round pick, which is, what, three or four or whatever, and they give you, let's say, the San Jose Sharks first-round pick, and then they also give you two of the second-round picks that they have. Do you at least think about it? I mean, that's that's a hefty offer, I'll be honest. But if – okay, let's put it this way. If you're most other teams that that could have picked first overall – um, whether you're Minnesota or maybe not Minnesota, but teams like Pittsburgh, um, Edmonton, oh, even Florida, Toronto. teams that can kind of afford to maybe trade down because you don't have as much pressure on you because you already have a, a bunch of good players, you consider it. But the New York Rangers are in the biggest city in the country. They will always have pressure on them to win. And if you trade out of that, it's going to – infuriate not just their fans but media members um just everyone and for the rangers to be able to have this guy who's as surefire as a 
prospect is Connor McDavid, who we talked about earlier. You see how he's how good he's been. The Rangers have someone like him. You're talking about a cup contender for years to come. I do think it it would be interesting though to see, you know, would the number three pick in the draft and the number five pick in the draft, along with two second round picks, start the would, would that even start the conversation? I mean, if Ottawa called up New York today and said we'll offer you three, five, and two second round picks, your choice of them for that number one pick, do you at least consider it? I mean. That's a uh, lot of that's a lot of money, or that, that's a lot of assets that you can use in different trades, draft guys. You can build depth there with that. Uh, I think I actually so that's a bad offer for Ottawa because I I don't think you trade up for a lot when you're like not even you're not going to be contending for at least three years. I think or maybe two years. I think that in the case of Ottawa, they don't have they need to get someone who they can build around and. True. Who True. better to build around than Alexis Lafreniere? And if they trade away those two first-round picks, they would still have two first-round picks to use. They would have two more seconds. They'd have, I think, two more thirds. I mean, there's a lot of at least assets that you can use there to still build a decent team around what you already have. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't know. But this, this draft class is stacked. It's loaded with talent. Look, I'm not going to try to claim that I'm an NHL scout. Look, I don't even know how to freaking watch hockey half the time, so I'm not going to fucking say I know what the hell I'm talking about with half these prospects. I know who Quentin Byfield is. I know he's kind of good at hockey. Yeah. I know yeah. he's a center. That's about it, though. For a team like Ottawa, it's good to have these multiple first-round picks because um, if you're rebuilding, you got to just fill as many holes as you can instead of just – Trading up and getting one player for a team yeah. as bad as them, you know. So I think they should stand pat and just yeah, the draft. <laughs> yeah, this, this lottery, uh, excuse me, this draft class is really stacked, and the Devils do have three first round picks. I think every rather have three first round picks this year rather than like, just the first overall pick, just because of how deep the draft class is. So uh, obviously, it's very nice to have the first overall pick, but I feel like depth is like the most important thing this year. That's what my team has, luckily. I agree. The Rangers have two picks, two first round picks, though, because oh, yeah, they the do. Brady Shaver. Well, do you know what their second is? Uh, they don't have a second. No, I mean oh, their second you know, like, first like, position. Yeah. I think it's going to be, it hasn't been deciding to be between like 21 and 30. Yeah, because it's yeah, the. I, th- uh, I think the doubles have like 7, 17, and 18 right now. It depends like, where Carolina goes out. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I do think it'll be interesting. I, I think that they will end up taking Lafreniere, and I don't think you can pass up this generational talent like Lafreniere is. But I do think it would be interesting to see if there is at least some buzz that they are considering trading the pick, and that you know some teams at least interested in him. I I don't know. I mean, maybe it doesn't happen, and maybe I'm just spewing bullshit, which happens a lot. But we'll see. Uh, let's go to the NBA, the 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 better bubble. Hashtag better bubble. Uh, a lot more beef in that bubble. Do you guys know that uh that that meme the uh the the meme of like the people carrying the casket and they're like dancing? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I felt yesterday yeah. when uh, T.J. Warren got killed by the Miami Heat. Let's freaking go! T.J. Warren bubble MVP's dead. I love it. Can't wait. Uh, bury him next to Jeremy Lin on the uh, the list of Miami Heat killers. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, I'm really excited about the fact that T.J. Warren's no longer good. Um, I do want to talk about one team though. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are good now. Um, what? Uh, Jackson, why are they good? 
Tell them to stop. Uh, it's. I mean, there's some games, some players weren't playing, but I really think that one of the big reasons no one's talking about is Mikel Bridges in the starting lineup. I think they just played better with him in starting lineup than Ubre. So I think they got to make a decision there this offseason. And I think, like, road games affect the Suns, like, a, a lot. I, I mean, it affects every team, but for the Suns, they just are terrible on the road. So being able to play without a crowd, I think, actually helps them. And they're just kind of coming together. Monty Williams is actually a pretty good coach. Aiden's doing his thing. Booker, besides Warren, is probably been the second hottest player in the bubble, in my opinion. But, yeah, everything's clicking. But they got to win these next two. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't know how they're good when your backup point guard is Cameron Payne. Your backup Cameron shooting Payne. guard is like Javon Carter. I mean, how? Campaign is actually having a very good bubble. He's only 26, <laughs> believe it or not. It feels like he's been in the league for like eight years. Well, but, I, I think know, he's still young. Yeah, he's having a player. He came in when he was yeah, 19, yeah. wasn't he? What is he averaging? Like 15 points per game? That's pretty good. Something like that. He'll, he'll be on the NBA roster next year. I'm 100% sure. Yeah. I, I just, after after, after spending the whole year in the D League. I don't know if you saw the contract, but the Suns signed a two year deal. And if they like exercise the option, he'll be making 25K next year. That's it. Campaign? Yeah. That's a robbery. Jesus yeah. Christ. I'm yeah. surprised he signed that, honestly. Oh, well, I guess you've got to take the chance to play him in the, in the bubble, but still, like, 25K? So, in the season, bubble... That's terrible. In the bubble, uh, Cameron Payne has put up 9 points, 10 points, 12 points, 15 points against the uh, Indiana Pacers. He put up 5 against Miami, and he put up 14 in their last game against Oklahoma City. Uh, he's played like 18 minutes a game, played 32 against Oklahoma City. Uh, and then he's put up minimal assist numbers, two, one, three, three, and then two fives. I I mean, the fact that you can turn campaign into a role, like an actual decent role player in such a weird time is impressive. And it's kind of helped them, helped propel them from what looked like, you know, they're kind of in the bubble because they have to be to, they have a legitimate chance of, potentially making the like the play in game between the eight and nine seed. I mean, that's impressive. There's no other way around that. I mean, and they still sit, I think, a game back of Memphis. They sit uh half a game back of Portland. They have, according to Tankathon, an eight percent chance to make the playoffs, which is similar to the uh Portland Trailblazers and I I, I mean I have to ask who makes the playoffs as that eighth seed in the West? Um, I think it's going to be Portland. Uh, Dame's come back on a mission, of course, as we've seen. Um, I feel like they've kind of underperformed throughout the year, so the bubble was kind of like a place for them to finally step up. It's probably a good thing for Portland, actually. So, I, I, I just have to say, why do these leagues keep... Or why do these players keep getting Dame mad? Can we stop this? I mean, <laughs> you stop getting Damian Lillard mad. When he's mad, he drops 55 points and makes it look easy. Uh, uh, Tommy's team got, his mad, got him mad. Yeah, it's, 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 it's all Paul George's fault. It's Pat Bev probably more, but yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, I mean, it's usually Pat yeah. Bev's fault. <laughs> I mean, Paul George didn't need another person to start owning him. The way Damian Lillard started to own him on social media because that guy's been – I mean, for someone who almost won MVP a couple of years ago, that guy's been through enough. He's had so many game winners hit on him. 
He got crossed up by Jason Tatum before the bubble. He had Devin Booker put a shot up in his mouth to win it. And now he's got Damian Lillard pissed off at him. He's had a bad season for the Clippers. I mean, that guy's been through enough, man. I mean, he hasn't a bad season. He just didn't, he just didn't have a Paul George season, really. Yeah, I, I, I wanted him to be a lot saying, better. He wasn't shooting say. as good as I wanted to. He's still there defensively. But uh, obviously he gets a bunch of game-winner shot on him. But uh, besides that, he's a great defender. Um, I still think he has something to prove because um, before this season, Paul George was probably like in my top three least liked players in the, in the NBA. Like I really didn't like his game. It made me mad. But of course, when it came to the Clippers, I had to start rooting for him. So everything that Dame said about him, like running from competition, it, it is really true. Like Dame has built himself in Portland. He's fighting for his city that is rightfully his. And Paul keeps on going from team to team trying to get a ring. But hopefully he could shut them up in the playoffs if they ever meet. I do have to ask if you could build the perfect playoff matchup, just in terms of the bubble, who would it be? Like best matchup or... Does it imply like any kind of seeding, just whoever versus whoever? Yes, yes. It's anyone like, in you most do any Western matchup Conference or the best matchup, matchup for like a specific team. Uh, just any matchup, just two teams that you'd want to watch a seven game series of. Um, Clippers Lakers. Yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the easy answer. I do want to say, as a Heat fan, I do want to see a Giannis versus Miami series, but I. I think it's probably going to be Clippers-Lakers that's going to be the most interesting because, I mean, those are the two – I think those are the two best teams in the NBA. I think Milwaukee's probably third, uh, regardless of what record says. And it would be interesting to see a Kawhi versus Anthony Davis versus Paul George versus LeBron. That would be an interesting matchup. Also, I think uh, whoever Houston plays, it's going to be very exciting to watch considering they don't have, like, a true center on their roster. They don't have so us center. Being a different type of basketball. <laughs> Especially if it works for them. Like, if they get to, like, the conference finals or something, and they're playing the Lakers or the Clippers there, like, that'd be a pretty exciting series, especially if small ball small balls working. I mean, but, yeah. I was going to say, um, obviously, Clippers-Lakers is probably the best answer there. Um, the L.A. cross-town rivalry. Um, obviously, it sucks that it won't be held in Staples Center with fans, but regardless of the situation. Yeah. Um, a series I'd be really interested to watch is Nuggets versus the Rockets. You are talking... Pure small ball versus the exact opposite of that with Nikola Jokic and Bull Bull in that lineup versus, you know, you got PJ Tucker at six foot six running center. And it's a true test of old versus new NBA. Obviously, it's not exactly like the old NBA because Jokic and Bull are so different compared to like the big men of the past. But I'd really like to see if the Rockets going to be able to overcome that challenge. And if they were to able pl- to play, Nuggets in a seven-game series and overcome them. I think they really become a scary team for everyone. Well, I mean, okay. yeah, you got it. I think Bull Bull is more of just the the scrimmage uh, king because he hasn't really been that great in the regular season. He also hasn't gotten really significant playing time, but yeah. he hasn't looked great since the actual important games have started. So I don't know how much they'll actually play him in the playoffs. Um, is this Mike D'Antoni's last year under contract? I'm pretty sure it is. I think, think it is, the yes. the Rockets bring him back after this year? I, I, I don't I mean, know because many, like, I, I think the thing is – I yeah. mean – I'll ask this. Yes, yes. How answer many, it first so I can actually come up with an answer here. 
How many better coaches? If you were to fire Dan Tony, how many better coaches can you all go, go out and get right now? Oh, the answer is probably oh. zero. There's very oh, it's, it's not. It's not like theoretically the best coach. But just it's the, the best, best coach fit. to fit your team. He's probably yeah. he's probably the best coach out there if you fire him. But the fact is, small ball. If they get eliminated in the first round, obviously, I think they got to retool. They got to go get a center again. The Clint Capella trade is going to look really dumb. So I really think this is like Mike D'Antoni's last push to stay the coach of the Houston Rockets. And if they make it to like, if they make it to the Western Conference Finals, I think he gets extended. But I think besides that, they might just bring in more of a balanced coach to like just play James Harden and Russell Westbrook like they always have before D'Antoni. I think like I, I think the thing is. For I think for D'Antoni, this was almost like a, an audition period. I, this is an audition period to see if this small ball experiment where your center six foot five can work. I mean, because if it doesn't work, do you get a job? I mean, yes, D'Antoni will probably get a job, but I mean, the, the, there's a reason they're not playing with the center. It's not just because they don't want to go out and get one. They could have gone, gone out and gotten one at the trade deadline. But they actively chose this because they thought it would work best with James Harden and Russell Westbrook, and it's worked to an extent. I don't think it's sustainable. I, I, I think at some point you have to have some kind of big man. I mean, and yes, I've talked a lot about how you know big men are becoming more phased out of the NBA, and that you know if you're a big man who is a lot like Rudy Gobert is, and you know you're just the rim protector, you're just the the like the '80s or the '90s center, then you don't you don't get the deep job, but. I still think you need to have a center on the roster. I mean, it, it, I don't like running backs, but you still have to have a running back on the roster. You can't go out there with six wide receivers and ask them to play running back. I mean, I, I think at some point you have to talk about, like, can D'Antoni lead you to his NBA Finals? Because if he can't, what's the point of keeping him? I, I think that's the biggest thing, especially when you're in your, your kind of window to win. Yeah, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they they are getting old. Like, they don't have much time. Of, obviously, they'll be fine for like the next three, four years. But after that, Russell's not going to be as explosive, and James is probably going to start missing shots sooner than later, and his dribble moves aren't going to be as effective. Yeah. So I mean, you really got to find out how to play these guys soon. Yeah, I mean, you you have to figure out how you can make Russell Westbrook and James Harden coexist with mm-hmm. at least someone with height. I mean, because I've, I've talked about it before, and I think it wouldn't be the worst idea to see. And this is going to sound absolutely crazy, absolutely out of left field, and I'll probably get laughed off this episode. Maybe the Houston Rockets should play Russell Westbrook off the bench and let him be the guy. Yeah, that's weird. No, not what you got. You got to start Russ. I, 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 I mean, yes, obviously Russ will still get the 30 minutes a game or 35 minutes a game, but maybe it's better to split those two guys up and let them both control their own offenses. No, but then you're playing two. You're playing two different teams almost. You're playing like you're playing with one philosophy when Harden's in. You're playing with another one when Russ is. I just, I don't think that's the best idea. I mean, I feel like Russ was having you know he was having an all right season. Yeah. You know, we're talking about um, them not coexisting. I feel like he's been all right this year. Uh, I like the coexisted actually pretty well. I, yeah, I was gonna say I feel yeah. like especially in the especially, especially in the Western recently. Conference. Especially in the Western Conference, where you are likely going to have to play like the Los Angeles Lakers and Los Angeles Clippers, uh, if you mean to make it to the finals, you got to have both those guys on the court at the same time. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I will say I was wrong. Look, I don't watch many Houston Rockets games because they're all at 10.30, and I'm usually in my bed watching YouTube videos at 10.30, so I don't, I'm not really watching many Rockets games. But, no, they have actually coexisted pretty well. And, you know, Russell Westbrook has obviously taken a step back from his crazy years where he's averaging triple-doubles and making it look easy, but he's still been a good player. Yeah, I, I, I was wrong. It's actually really good. It's a really good year for him, huh? Yeah, yeah. A little bit of a comeback season. Uh, for a little while, I really disliked Russ because of like, oh, the I still hate Russ. thing. But like, I still hate, absolutely nah. hate Russ. <laughs> really? No, I, I don't mind him anymore. Um, I, I respect what he's doing in Houston. I think the reason I don't like Russ is because it is just not my way of basketball. And I guess it's because I'm a Heat fan and we've always kind of been predicated on the defense and the, you know, this, this like asshole mentality almost and you know, that's why I thought Jimmy Butler was the perfect fit for Miami was because people view him as an asshole. I mean, people don't like Jimmy Butler. And I, I think that's kind of like what Miami plays their strengths into. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't like Russell Westbrook. I don't like Joel Embiid. I don't like a lot of NBA players, actually. I'm just now, now realizing I think I hate, I hate half the league. Um, <laughs> I, I think we could make a whole episode of just players I hate for whatever reason. Uh, Marvin Williams is up there, by the way. Don't ask why. Why? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you know what? Sure. He's killed the Miami Heat every time he plays them. Every time he plays them, it's like Marvin Williams dropping 20 points. I'm just like, he like the second that? overall pick? Yeah, he was like a second overall pick or something. That's so tough. <laughs> I don't want to talk. Michael could go, Chris. Somebody's got to take control away from Michael Jordan. He's just not the guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Absolutely not. He's, he's um, got to get out of there. That's, yeah, that's, that, that's why I said yeah. if they had the number the one pick team. overall this year. They would probably just draft like some. They they would draft Obi Toppin. They would draft Obi Toppin even if he's out there one player. I don't think Obi Toppin is a bad pick. I just think he's a little old compared. Well, obviously he he is older compared to everybody else. Oh no, I don't think uh, he's a bad pick. I I think he'd actually be a kind of solid pick, but he's not. I don't think he's the number one overall pick. No, I disagree. I mean, You're, yeah, I don't think I, I agree. He's not the number one overall pick. He's probably not a top three or five pick. He's I absolutely he's top ten. Eight, I mean, he's absolutely top ten. You he's got some take ridiculous explosiveness, though. And I think if you put that into the right team, it really can push a team over the top. I think like he might not be drafted in top five, but I think he's. I think he could be a top five talent in the right situation. Oh, I agree. I, I think he, he does have a play style like almost exactly like Zion, but not wanna, with Zion's name and age. Yeah, he's also not like three hundred pounds like Zion is, but <laughs> he's like two eighty five. I want to talk about Zion actually. Um, uh, inside the NBA, with when they had Draymond Green on, first off, that was awesome. I love Draymond. Draymond Green. Draymond's perfect. Obviously, he got fine fifty k for tampering with Devin Booker. But was he wrong? But was he wrong? Uh, nah, it, it was really cool to see Draymond Green on there because I feel like he's always had a great mind for the game. And going away from Draymond, Charles Barkley, when they were talking about the rookie of the year, was talking about how Zion Williamson, they need to make a decision with Zion Williamson about his weight um, and about you know what weight that he can play at so that he can consistently remain healthy. And he was kind of making it sound like the Pelicans got to really decide soon. And I want to talk about the Pelicans because – when the bubble format was first announced and the Pelicans were going to be in the bubble, um, a lot of teams were like, oh, they're rigging it. They're going to let the Pelicans somehow get in the playoffs. And Pelicans went pretty bad. So I want to talk about Zion. Um, are the Pelicans really that close with Zion as we thought they might have been when he first came in? Um, I'm going to say yes. They do have a pretty talented team around them. Um, one person to blame for the New Orleans like lack of 
good play in the bubble is Lonzo Ball. Terrible bubble. <laughs> he was so bad. Oh, yeah, Lonzo was terrible. It ended uh, J.J. Reddick's 13 straight playoff appearances, which is probably the saddest thing about the Pelicans missing the playoffs. J.J. was trying, too. He was ridiculous. Yeah, and J.J. had a great <laughs> bubble. Yeah, he played fantastic. I, yeah, I think... I think the Pelicans are pretty close. We just need Zion to play better, really. I think Zion, Lonzo, you gotta trust the young core. Um, maybe a Drew Holiday trade is what does it. Bring in somebody else, maybe, maybe like a strong center. Signing Andre Drummond in the offseason, possibly. I think he does have a player option though, so he'll probably go back to the Cavaliers for one year. But maybe a player like Andre Drummond to really uh, like hold the defensive front for Zion so he could like worry about offense would be beneficial yeah, but um, what do you think about Brandon Ingram do you want the Pelicans to resign him or do you yes, think I think, I think you have to yeah I think I you think have, have to yeah uh, I think I think you should as well but I, I was hearing a lot of people saying you might have to move on from Brandon Ingram well it's like you got look at the you look at how the Clippers are set up um, obviously the Clippers are such an outlier because you got guys like uh, Montrose Harrell and Pat Bev two are two you know influential players on very cheap contracts. But if you play it right, you should have two max contracts on your roster. And yeah. if the Clippers are really – or excuse me, not Clippers. If the Pelicans are really trying to build this young core, I mean, realistically, you should be looking at it, especially after this bubble. And the two players should be Ingram and Zion. Um, if you move on from Ingram, I don't know how many other guys better. The same argument with Antonio, really. How many other guys are you going to get um, – that might be better than Brandon Ingram. And it's not like Brandon Ingram and Zion can't coexist. They played very well together. So here's here's my thing. First of all, I thought it was absolute bullcrap that people were trying to claim that the New Orleans Pelicans were better than they were. They're a growing team. They're an overall young team. They need a lot of growth. I mean, they, that's that's just a fact. And yes, Brandon Ingram had a career year. And yes, Zion Williamson looked great in, what, 25 games? But if your number one player is a rookie... There is a lot that needs to happen for you to become a better team. That's just what I – and mean, that's just a fact. I mean the, the Cavs weren't great when LeBron James was a rookie, and so it took him a few years to get back into it. They had to grow around him. I don't think the option is a Drew Holiday trade. I think Drew Holiday is one of the most underrated two guards in basketball. I think his, his defensive impact, his, his ability to score off the dribble, I think he is that perfect secondary piece to a championship team. But – I just think the thing is, you don't have that much depth on that team. I mean, Lonzo Ball is is become a bust at this point. At this point, I think we can label him a bust. I don't like labeling players as busts until their career is done. But he was the number two overall pick, and people thought he'd go number one. And now he is. Um, I mean, he's not that good anymore. I mean, he was terrible. He's not, he's, not, he's not performing at the rate um, we expected coming out of UCLA, but he's definitely not a bust. He still has a lot of time. He's had a pretty weird start to his career playing with LeBron and a yeah, terrible I mean, Lakers team and now being surrounded by all the Zion hype all year. I still think he has time before you can label him a bust. Um, he had a pretty decent season besides the uh, bubble. But, but I mean, I, I think you have to start at least having the conversation. I mean, even, I if, he's, so. even if he's not a bust on the level of like an Adam Morrison or a Hashim Thabit or a... God, I don't know, Sam Bowie, where they, you know they're busts and there's no conversation. But, I mean, if there was a redraft of the NBA draft right now, would he go top five? 
I mean that that class just wound up to look like very good with how with how Fox and Tatum yeah, have he's developed. Probably top ten. Uh, Bam Adebayo. I'd say he's definitely top ten. I think he's somewhere in there, but I mean, how good yeah, that I, draft class has been has been ridiculous. Yeah, yeah great draft class. I mean, so yeah, I, I look at it and I go, I take Jason Tatum over him. I take De'Aaron Fox over him. I take uh, where is he? Bam! I take Bam Adebayo over him. Do you take OG and Anubi over him? I say you have to. Yes. Right um, now. That's close. Right now. No, I, I, th- I think you have to take OG I'll over take, him. I'll take Alonzo because he's a point guard. Uh, actually, wow, that's draft. Donovan, you got to take Donovan Mitchell over him. Yeah, Do- I lost Donovan Mitchell. Yes, yeah, so you take Donovan Mitchell. That's already five. Uh, mm-hmm. Then then you kind of get in the question of do you take John Isaac over him? Because uh, Especially after the... Uh, yeah, I was going to say actually about... Yes, I mean, if, if he develops, maybe... Yeah, I mean, look, do you take, do you take Lowry Markkinen over him? No. I think you have to. No, no, no. Lowry's, Lowry had a terrible season this year. He, was, he didn't that have that bad of a year. But still, I think... Yeah, no, it's 100% Jim Bolin's fault in how he played him. But, like, I don't even think he had that bad of a year. He averaged he averaged 15 points. He had six rebounds. He shot pretty efficiently. He had an efficient field goal percentage of five, uh, 51%. He shot 51% from two. He was decent from three, 34%. That's still a good season. It's not as good as he, you know, it's not the season you expect out of a third-year player, and you, you expect to see a little more growth from year one and two, but that's still a good season when you consider that his head coach is Jim Boylan, who's inept. I mean, that's, that's putting it lightly. That's putting it lightly. He's, uh, I mean, he's inept. I mean, there's, there's no other way around that conversation. But I do want to end it off here. Uh, Tim Reynolds of the AP announced that the NBA was going to do a bubble MB- MVP and a bubble, uh, like, all-NBA team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the all-NBA team is going to be a first team, second team, no position breakdown, so there's not, there doesn't have to be two guards, two forwards. Uh, who's the bubble MVP? Uh, Devin Booker. Booker. I would have to say that. Yeah, I, I think it has to be Booker. Just every, everything about it. He's playing well. His team's playing well. Um, you know, they're 6-0. They're the only team left that's still unbeaten at the time we record this. It's um, very unfortunate that um, they were so far out of the playoffs. Sorry for interrupting. It's very right, unfortunate that they were so far out of the playoffs when the bubble started because I, I'd be scared of the Suns if they were, like, already in a playoff spot coming into this or, like, at least closer, but... Even though they're six and zero, it still looks like they are missing the playoffs. So we won't get to see Devin Booker in the playoffs. Yeah, Booker. I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna look at TJ Warren's stats really quickly, but I want to say Booker's the only well, player to I, drop 35 points three straight time, or I, three times. I also think it's important to realize that winning matters. And as good as TJ Warren has been, the Pacers haven't won as often as the Phoenix Suns have. No team has won as often as the Phoenix Suns have. And when you're the best team on a team that's undefeated this to this point in the playoffs, you have to, or the play-in, or the, the NBA restart, the whatever they call it, the, they've called about 16 different things. I mean, the you have to consider him the MVP. I mean, there, there's no other way around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, the other person that I think gets a shout, I mean, is it that bold to say T.J. Warren deserves a shout? No. No, no I, 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 I think he'll get both. He's definitely number two. He'll uh, get votes, yeah, but I don't think he should not be MVP. very close either. It just it just doesn't sound right, you know. Yeah, you're no, yeah. It sounds like very weird that Anthony Davis. It's also very weird Giannis. that um, yeah. it's uh, so, very weird that Devin Booker is number one as so well. So I, I think I, I think the second question would be, 
who are some players that should absolutely get involved in these two bubble All-NBA teams, I guess what we'll call them. I don't know what they're going to call them, the official name for them. I guess they'll probably be like the NBA's back All-NBA team or whatever. Those two for sure. Yeah, yeah, so I for think, sure I you think have, we should come back with um with teams next time we do an NBA. Yeah, so maybe maybe yeah. So we'll, I, I can't come up with players right now. Yeah, so so we'll, head, we'll if I like sit down and look at stats. We'll we'll put the pin on this until later. Uh, but I think we all agree that TJ War or not TJ Warren, he's dead. I forgot that he killed him. Ha ha! We love it. Um, a friendly reminder that TJ Warren got outplayed by Jay Crowder. Uh, anyways, um. Yeah, so I think that's it for any of us. Uh, do any of you guys have anything to say whatsoever? Oh, yeah, uh, Pac-12 also canceled football while we're do, uh, recording this. Jake, thing. how you doing, buddy? <laughs> hey, Jake. Hey. Your name's Jake, <laughs> isn't it? No, the other Jake. Yes. No, I'm good. I just I don't, I don't really have many opinions with the NBA at this moment. Go Suns, right? Yeah, go Suns. I'm a, I'm a Knicks and Suns fan, go so like, I'm happy and I'm also upset because at the end of the day, I'm still a Knicks fan. Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> we did hire a good assistant coach today. <laughs> we yeah. hired an assistant yeah. coach. Let's go, boys. You. you know it's good, bro. It's probably should hire no one the next. It's us, bro. What? It's us. It's going to be a should hire. You just know it. <laughs> right now, it's a good hire. Right now, it's a good hire. Yeah, let's just stop them with the next, whatever. Annoying me. <laughs> so, yeah, while recording yeah, this, while recording this, the Big Ten has canceled football. Pac-12 has canceled football. Seems like more conferences will begin to cancel football. I think someone did a thing. It was like 58 or something of the 130 teams have now canceled or have had their seasons canceled. We'll talk about that later. I, I think we were going to wait until see if any other conferences cancel. Because it, it, I mean. He's <laughs> talking like a straight out of the Northwest or Midwest. Conferences. Conferences. Yeah, no. Uh, again, I can't talk. I, I, I've, I've talked all day because I had media availability for FAU. So, uh. Anyways, um, thanks for listening to the Unfiltered Podcast. Uh, it's available on Spotify for now. We're trying to get it available on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, but they're not being really cooperative right now, and I don't appreciate them for it. Um, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at the uh, or at UnfilteredCast1. Uh, and uh, other than that, uh, just remember that TJ Warren is dead. Uh, the Florida Panthers are not a good hockey team. And more importantly, I don't know. I, I, I'm running out of things. Wear a mask, please. I want to at least have some college football in the spring. Dumbasses. <laughs> 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 <laughs>